Greetings, this is Carl. Whatever you do, like right now, whatever you do, do not think about a polar bear. Whatever you do, don't think about a white, big white bear. Don't, nope, don't, oh. Uh, turns out that's almost impossible. All right, turns out that thoughts that we resist persist. Actually, academics have a name for this. They call it the ironic process theory, which I love. Leave it to academics to come up with a funny name. Ironic process theory, or also referred to as the white bear problem. And it's, it's what it's pointing at is this sort of mental process that happens when we deliberately or intentionally try to suppress a thought. It actually makes them more likely to occur. That which we resist persists. There's a lot of application here, but my favorite example is around the kind of positive thinking movement, which is great, right? Like it's good. But how many, I mean, I know I have, um, and, I, and I've certainly talked to a lot of people this way, that if a negative thought occurs, they're like, no, 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 no negative thought, get away. Like, it, like resisting it. You know, and this, this even can apply, at least in my life, it's applied often to being sad. And I, I you know, I'm just talking about sadness that could linger for a day or two. I'm not talking about full-blown depression, you know, can't get out of bed. I'm not qualified to talk about that, but just sadness. Um, for years, I thought that was like a grit your teeth and resist it. Like, don't, I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to be sad. And, and I realized that as the more I resisted, the more it persisted. And then somebody sort of pointed out to me that that's a little bit like, you know, trying to force the clouds to go away. Like, oh, and, and so then, then I, I, I sort of replaced that line of thinking with simply acknowledging, oh, I'm sad. Isn't that interesting? Right, the, the 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 sad thought or the negative thought or it was it was was neutral in itself. It was, it was sort of the label that I put on it, and particularly when I tried to resist it, because then it stayed around. And how ridiculous would it be to try and resist cloudy weather? <laughs> right, like go away, cloudy weather. I had a friend um, once who I was helping with. He came to me for some advice, and he he had this persistent pattern of thoughts that would occur to him and then he would act and the, the action that he would take was harmful and, and, you know, borderline addictive. He felt like he couldn't stop and everybody had told him like, just resist it, resist it, resist it. And there was all these defensive measures. Like, you know, it, we, he would think about like, when did it most often occur? Sometimes it was most of the time it was with a computer and when he ran into certain things on the internet or whatever, and so he, he built all these defensive walls around, which is great, right? Uh, that's a good first step. But then it was this resisting part. Like if the thought occurred, he would resist and it would come back stronger. And so we talked about this idea and we were like, okay, well, what if, what if we just allowed the thought to be relatively neutral? We just said, you know, I'm not going to place any 
massive importance on the thought. After all, you have somewhere between 15 and 70,000 of them a day. Why would you place a lot of importance on that particular thought? What if it could just be like a cloud? Like, oh, there's another cloud. Okay, so first we just tried to make the thought itself a little neutral. Now I, I realize that's not always possible, but for him it worked. And then we replaced. Instead of resisting, we replaced. I love that. Instead of resisting, replace. And we, we brainstormed some ideas. They were all silly, right? And I think the sillier, the better. So one, one thought we had was like, do you like water? And he's like, yeah, I drink water. So we thought, well, when that thought occurs, what if you just acknowledge it? Oh, interesting. There's that thought again. No label, no shame, no blame, no judgment. And then instead of resisting it or fighting it, we replaced it with a glass of water. So he was like, yeah, I could just go get a glass of water. We thought about orange. He loves oranges, I remember. So we thought, well, and then we were like, well, what if there weren't any oranges around wherever you were? Like, okay. And then the one we finally settled on was wherever he was, he would just get up and get, his, get a breath of fresh air. In other words, like get his, at least his head outside. You know, meaning like maybe he was someplace where he could just open a window and stick his head outside. But most of the time, what it meant was that he was going to stand up, walk out the door, go outside, take at least one deep breath, and then come back in. Instead of resisting, he replaced it with that. And that worked. His backup plan was water in case he was in an office building with no windows that could open, right? His backup plan was water. And over time, what happened is the thought just sort of faded away or at least the need to engage in the action that came at, that used to come after the thought, that was linked to the thought, just faded away. It was amazing. And, and I was always wondering, like, why is, is there, like, what? And then I ran across this ironic process theory idea. That which we resist persists. So instead of resisting, replace. I hope that's helpful for you. It's been massively impactful for me. And um, that's it. That wraps up another episode of Behavior App Radio.